Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Now, I remember that I promised you some interviews, but uh, they are in the making, since Anita is busy editing them, since apparently she has a lot going on her in, well, her everyday life. You know, gotta, gotta, gotta give her some respect with, with that stuff, but I am assured that they should come out on, I think, Saturday. Yeah, I think it was Saturday. But I have some interesting things that I want to talk to you about today. See, in late 2023, the Estonian news agency Delft Estonia obtained a set of leaked documents from the Russian presidential administration. In the weeks that followed, a lot of journalists from, uh, well, Medusa, Eisteries, all sorts of outlets studied these documents, and now we have a project called Kremlin Leaks. Glad to be, uh, be a member of this stuff, it's weird. And uh, one of the documents included in the leak was a lengthy presentation that claims a variety of popular movies and TV shows were made with the aim of boosting support for Putin in the lead-up to his re-election. According to several Russian media industry executives, however, the creators of many of these projects had no idea they were supposed to be making pro-Putin content. Now, this is um, interesting because, you know, how could this happen? Well, you see, in the spring of 2023, the Russian presidential administration held a meeting to discuss Putin's upcoming re-election. Well, obviously. And uh, according to a person who attended the meeting, participants included administration members, federal officials, and political strategists. The attendees were shown a long presentation titled Creative Content for Elections. The presentation was given by Sergei Novikov, who leads Russia's presidential directorate for social projects. And this agency is now responsible for making major decisions regarding Russia's cultural policy. For example, they uh, speak about which musicians are allowed to perform in Russia and which ones are unofficially, of course, banned from giving concerts. Novikov's co-author on the presentation was Alexei Goreslavsky, the head of the Kremlin's Internet Development Institute, or IDI. Since the start of the full-scale war in Ukraine, the Russian government has allocated enormous amounts of money to the IDI to spend on movies, TV shows, and other media, much of which is basically cheap, very blatant propaganda. Now, according to the documents from the presentation, the Putin administration and the IDI prepared dozens of uh, quote-unquote creative projects aimed at boosting Putin's popularity in the lead-up to, well, upcoming re-election. Novikov's subordinates were responsible for promoting these projects with the help of bloggers and media outlets, while Goreslavsky's agency was in charge of traditional marketing. Dialogue, a pro-Kremlin autonomous non-profit organization that has played a key role in spreading this information about the war among Russian society, was tasked with distributing the content in Russia's regions. The presentation's list of films and TV shows to be distributed and promoted for the sake of Putin's approval ratings includes projects financed by the IDI itself, as well as content funded by Russia's culture ministry, and even some sponsored by private investors. Many of the shows and movies are difficult to construe as obviously aligned with Kremlin's agenda, but they're interesting. The most notable item on the list of purportedly pro-Putin media is the 2023 series The Boy's World, The Boy's Ward, sorry, or Slovo Patsana a violent drama about the lives of young gang members in Kazan in 1980s. And, by the way, this is Russia's most popular TV show in recent years. Novikov and Goreslavsky's presentation claims that uh, Slovo Patsana, or The Boy's Word, you know, lads, do... Uh, 
Patsan is kind of like a gangster relation, not just exactly a boy, but I don't know. That's the official translation, the boy's word. Just slow Patsan. Was created with the aim of raising public awareness on the positive changes in the lives of the people of Russia since the 1980s. The historical and modern achievements of one's fellow citizens and the heroes of our times and role, and role models. Uh, this show is partially founded by the IDI by, by itself. Movies that appear in the list include The Prophet, a music, musical film about the life of Alexander Pushkin, the comedy film Surf 2, the figure skating drama Ice 3, and the children's fantasy movie Wish of the Fairy Fish. These films made a combined total of 10 billion rubles, which is $108.3 million at the box office. But, and according to Novikov and Goreslavsky, they also helped protect Russia's national interests and traditional values. Other items on the list bear more obvious relevance to Kremlin's interests. It's easy to see, for example, how the TV series GDR, which depicts a Soviet intelligence agent's, uh, agent in East Germany, meets the propagandist stated goal of conveying a positive image of a security service officer. Some of the projects even deal directly with the full-scale invasion of Ukraine, such as the series Fathers of the Donbass, which is billed as a multi-part documentary about the people and events taking place on the <clears throat> southern borders of Russia in the Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporozhye, Kherson, and Rostov regions. Now, in many cases, to, uh, to in many cases, according to the industry sources who spoke to journalists, the creators of the movies and TV shows mentioned in Novikov and Gorislavsky's presentation had no idea that the content they were creating was supposed to help Putin. One person in the film industry told, uh, told my colleagues at Medusa that uh, Slovo Patsana, the boy's word, for example, was filmed with no political or ideological motives. This series has no relation to current events. It was simply made to be commercially successful, the source emphasized. According to a source close to Alexander Wojtynski, the director of Vish of the Fairy Fish, Wojtynski knew, knew nothing about Novikov's and Goroslavsky's presentation. The source said that even after learning this film had been named as a success, successful Kremlin messaging effort, the, the director continues to love Russian fairy tales, despite the political activity around them. Accordingly, additionally, a source close to journalist Alexander Lyubimov, who is named in the presentation as a public opinion leader, tasked with promoting the show Fathers of Donbass, said that Lyubimov knew nothing about the presentation, or even of the series itself. Apparently, they stuck his name in, the t in there to seal it better and to enhance the, their own credibility, the source said. He said the film's producer, Sergei Ponomarev, didn't know anything about Lyubimov's alleged participation in the project either. And similar situation happened with a lot of these other mentioned movies. Apparently, Novikov and Godislavsky are just latching on to successful projects. One source involved in the production of the GDR told the journalists. Another source familiar with the shooting process of one of the shows on the, of the Kremlin list agreed. I think they just chose everything that could feasibly be related to the elections. They pulled everything they could out of thin air. The source from the film industry offered a similar explanation. They're trying to bolster their own activities with these ideological supports, he said. Quote, They look at what projects have been released and what they can latch onto to justify their expenses. It's like, look, we're doing ideological work, working for the good of the country, spending money wisely. There are mistakes sometimes, like the master in Margarita, but we're moving in the right direction and self-correcting. You know, another nice, nice way of how to show Putin that uh, no, 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 we're actually doing, doing actual good job. But this is not like all that Russian propaganda is doing. No, there's way more. See, so-called P 
patriotic programs and events have been popping up all over Russia's occupied Ukrainian territory. The entities behind these endeavors are often autonomous non-profit organizations, organizations purportedly characterized by their socially beneficial, cultural, educational, scientific, or you know, charitable nature, so to speak. They also aren't governmental, at least officially. And uh, this is part of the whole leak stuff. See, these leaked documents from Putin's administration list 15 autonomous non-profit organizations that receive state funding. Despite their official status, there is no hint of autonomy. All organizations were created by people close to the Russian authorities, and the Kremlin fully controls their work. Moreover, all of them are actively involved in creating and disseminating state propaganda. These ANOs, autonomous non-profit organizations, have proven particularly convenient for the Kremlin since the start of this full-scale war as they're not bound by government procurement laws. In 2023, these organizations received subsidies from the state budget totaling 59 billion rubles, about 639 million, and exactly two times the an- this is exactly two times the annual budget of Ingushetia, one of the poorest regions in Russia. And perhaps most well of these is this previously mentioned IDI Institute, which f- produces, f- finances the production of, of these Russian... Um, TV films and series. Another non-profit organization, Dialogue, is again, we mentioned previously, charged with spreading internet propaganda and fabricating disinformation, and also, you know, the new source of the troll farms. Previous ones by Prigozhin. Yeah, thankfully, well, those are gone. Several other of these ANOs organize patriotic events. For instance, uh, quote, organization called Russia is a country of opportunities created at Putin's initiative, conducts competitions and Olympiads for students, including in Russian-occupied Ukrainian territory. According to the leaked documents from 2023 to 2025, Putin's administration intends for about 20% of people, ages 14 to 25, in the occupied territories to participate in the events run by the organization. This isn't, only, uh, this isn't the only ANO the Kremlin uses as an on-the-ground tool for its propaganda efforts in Ukraine. For example, the Center for the Development of Cultural Initiatives holds the Tavrida Cultural Festival in Russian annexed Crimea. In addition to live music performances, programs like these inevitably include propaganda lectures and meetings with veterans of Russia's war in Ukraine. These ANOs take varied approaches to integrating, integrating, quote unquote here, uh, the residents of the so-called new regions. The uh, World Youth Festival brings volunteers from the occupied territories to Sochi. The Mashuk Knowledge Center retrains teachers from occupied Ukrainian regions. And the Center for the Study and Network Monitoring of the Youth Environment keeps a close watch on students' social media in order to quote-unquote promptly inform about the emerging threats and new destructive phenomena. Yeah, they're just insane. The documents also mention an organization that's less widely known, the Integration Production Center, which was created in May 2022 and is controlled by Presidential Fund for Cultural Initiatives. The center is headed by Gleb Shagun, the former chief producer and general director of state news channel RBC TV. A former colleague described him as a careerist and, uh, quote, a company man masquerading as a liberal. In 2018, Shagun was in charge of public communications for annexed Sevastopol's Kremlin-backed government. A local journalist who spoke to, to the journalists on condition of anonymity characterized him as a quote-unquote batshit PR guy for then-governor 
Governor Dmitry Os- Osvanyko. He banned everything and everyone and engaged in smear campaigns against the government, governor's enemies, which is to say against all local politicians. End quote. Unlike other Kremlin's ANOs, Shagun's production center doesn't get money from the state budget. Rather, it relies on donations. Yeah, very, very much in, in, in air quotes here. From state and private companies. This is a common practice for all, all the NGOs and these ANOs connected to the authorities. In late 2022, Integration received over 100 million rubles, which is about a million dollars, from Roshidro, one of the Russia's largest energy companies. It got another 100 million from JSC Dalgi Protrans, a major transport and infrastructure design company in Russia's Far East, and part of the King of State Orders, Alexei Krapivian's 1520, uh, 1520 group. Mosgiprotrans, one of Russia's railway's largest, r- largest contractors, also contributed a similar amount. Integration's total budget is, sadly, well unknown. This integration, it doesn't have a website, and there's virtually no information on it on open sources. However, judging by the leaked Kremlin documents, it produces so-called public opinion leaders, teachers, pop stars, etc., who then promote a state-sanctioned media, state-sanctioned agenda. Integration works between the Russian authorities and these public opinion leaders and takes care of their funding. So basically, it's kind of like an influencer management fund. One document lists several integration projects, integration here being the organization, by the way, including the so-called Agit Brigadi, propaganda brigade of Russian celebrities who visit the military to boost morale. The Agit Brigade is the brainchild of Sergei Kirienko, the Kremlin's domestic policy uh, organizer, as Vedomosti had reported. Some notable Agit Brigade members include actors Sergei Berzukov, Mikhail Prakhachernov, and Sergei Gamash, and a lot of music, a lot of musicians, and, and even one chess player, Sergei Karyakin. Integration also helped musicians Oleg Gazmanov, Alexander Rosenbaum, and others to raise funds for military formations in the self-proclaimed Donetsk People's Republic and Luhansk People's Republic, also connected, connected to Moors. They promoted pro-Russian German uh, director Wilhelm Domke-Schultz projects and developed numerous pro-Kremlin telegram channels, including that of Alexander Malkevich, who produces propaganda media in Russian-occupied Russian territories. Sorry, Russian-occupied Ukrainian territories. The center also financed the Russian Dream movement, recently created by Alexander Prokhanov, a Stalinist, patriotic, patriotic once again, in air quotes, Russian writer and editor-in-chief of Zavtra, uh, Tomorrow, a newspaper that openly embraces the state's imperial ideology. Oleg Rozanov, a member of the pro-government ultra-conservative Izborgo Club, is, of course, chairman of the board there. Additionally, integration is involved in the administration's campaign for the upcoming Russian presidential elections, if they can be still called in such a way. Namely, it's tasked with creating, quote-unquote, a database of Russian science and education ministry employees who meet the relevant criteria. And, well, sadly, we don't know the criteria because the document's clear on this one. The center is also supposed to monitor the political sentiments and electoral preferences on education professionals and, well, students. But these are not the only functions of this integration, which I find an interesting, very captivating organization, which I should be monitoring more closely. Several employees of state or government loyal media said Putin's administration has been requesting that editors of their publications take comments from pro-government experts through the center. According to them, each media outlet is assigned a specific integration employee to whom they can send the topic of an article and specific questions. 
In response, they receive a written comment from one of the public opinion leaders with whom integration works. One uh, employee of a Kremlin loyal media company believes this helps the ANO mint new media experts. It's convenient in principle. There is no need to bother with calls. You write a request, you get a quick answer. However, often you don't know whose comments you'll get. Sometimes they'll send no names. Sometimes they send quite, quite media-savvy and well-known individuals. End quote. Another interviewee adds that centralizing the work this way allows Putin's administration to control already loyal media even further and to prevent journalists and experts from getting too close, where an expert might share something of the record. Quote, of course this wouldn't be published, but the journalists themselves might start to think and reflect. And this is hardly in the authorities' interests. End quote. So there you have it. The war about people's minds is also very real. And while we're waiting for the F-16s on the front lines, and, and while Ukraine is observing how Russia's moving, and while all this stuff is going through <laughs> changes, and, and, and the front's moving-ish, because Russia isn't very efficient at doing doing much, thankfully. But, you know, we have to wait and see about the Ukrainian situation. This is These are the guys who are supposed to supposed to bring us uh, ever closer to believing that, you know, that Putin is doing something well. Well, let's inform you about all this situation and we'll be following this integration, well, <laughs> more than carefully in the future. But that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And please, if you thanks to all my patrons. And if you like the show, please consider supporting it on patreon.com slash border, or just click the donate button on theeasternborder.lv or you can also just join our Discord channel for, I don't know, the, the chances of, of talking and chatting and there's also the, that's the place where we deal with the summit maps and everything. So yeah, please do. And as always, the Sudanya Tuareshi. And remember, happiness is mandatory.